Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Janet is Michelle Willis. Michelle Willis uh, wrote that and uh, is so startlingly talented. I don't even know where to, I don't even know where to start. She's probably one of the best singers I've ever heard in my life. Of all. Ever. Anybody. One of the very best. One of the top handful. I'm talking about I live in the same world with Joni and Aretha and Bonnie and women who can sing. She's in that lake. She's that good. She's unbelievably talented singer. She also can write. She also plays this wonderful, funky piano. She's a, she's a brilliant keyboardist. Brilliant, brilliant writer, brilliant woman. And uh, she, uh, we begged her for that song. She wanted to save it for her record, but we begged and pleaded because it's just so strong. It's such a wonderful song. She kicks ass in it. And the vocal stuff that we did on that song, it's freaking terrifying. We did stuff in there I don't I've never heard anybody else do. She won't cop to who she who she wrote it to. You know, she's like, you figure it out. It means whatever you think it means, dear. Something Get you some facts right here. Get you some facts. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. That voice you just heard was David Crosby doing a better intro for today's guest than I could probably ever dream up. And my name is Corey Flanagan, your host. As always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. And thank you so much for being here today. If you want to kindly take a couple minutes and leave us a nice five-star review, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening, We'd certainly appreciate that. It definitely helps us as we continue to try and grow and bring more great musical guests like Michelle Willis into your ears and into your worlds. As Mr. Crosby did such a better job than I could, I am going to leave that intro to him and I'll just say, enjoy the show. Baby, 
Song Facts Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, I recently had a parent who battled cancer, and unfortunately she lost not too long ago, a couple years now. But throughout that, there were definitely ups and downs in my personal life, and I relied a lot on therapy. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. Well, the good news is, and I can attest to this, is that therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's really whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated and you would like some tools to help. Maybe you're just feeling insecure in relationships or maybe something's going on at work and you're just having a hard time dealing with the stress. Whatever you need, it really is time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and just start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. We all do. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's really a lot more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours, which is pretty remarkable. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is all about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to SongFacts podcast listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash songfacts. That's betterhelp.com slash songfacts. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast and have a lovely, lovely day. Okay, so Michelle has an amazing um, new album and I got to listen to it top to bottom this morning. It really is phenomenal. It's called Just One Voice. It's going to be out on April 8th. And I always liked the idea of like song order and stuff like this. This just kind of caught me because I was having a cup of coffee. It was early on my drive up to the mountains this morning. And it just opens up with this very airy, relaxing kind of meditative vocal. I don't even know what you would call it, but I loved it. And then like, bam, song two, Liberty comes in. Funky bass energy is right back there. So what drew you to kind of, building this contrast to the to this album sequencing is always like this it's the final puzzle it's the last uh well i guess it's it's like the second last musical decision you get to make uh, before mastering and you kind of do it while mastering sometimes as well and uh and sequencing is a I'm sure you know, but for anyone who might not know, is is a term that you use to describe that process of the order of tracks. Yeah. And um, I don't, I actually didn't think about the fact that uh, those two are so different, more so that I thought I, that inter, I called that tenths is just an interlude, although it's like a four minute interlude. <laughs> <laughs> So is um, the song Think Well. It's also called an interlude, but it's like three or four minutes. Um, And I wanted to start with that one because it is, it's such a, uh, it is meditative and it does get you into this place of like, oh, okay, I'm 
I'm going, it's not just a song, not that songs by themselves aren't enough, but, um, it does, it does set the stage for something that, uh, I liked. And that was intentional. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I want, I wanted that to be the, the, the starter so that people don't listen to this record and think, great, we're going to, this is just going to be a bunch of bangers. Yeah. (laughs) It won't be. Just you and Skrillex. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and the and the going straight into liberty we did that on the live record um we went from tenths straight into liberty and it felt so good mm-hmm. um it just worked and and there is a lot of you know uh, there is a lot of groove focus i guess you could say on on this album definitely um fab when we first got together fab dupont is the the guy who co-produced it with me and he really liked um he was leaning more towards the kind of like whirly trio as the 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 kind of nucleus of of this and eventually we brought it out into more of this sort of palette of so you'll hear the difference between like the, the kind of two sounds on the record because something like liberty is really you really feel that rhythm section oh yeah yeah same thing with Green Gray, um, uh, to a degree, How Come, Janet sometimes. Yeah. But, but songs like uh, On and On or Black Knight towards the end of the record, it's far more like painterry. Yeah. And, um, and this kind of m- melting darkness <laughs> in behind my voice, which is, uh, I think those are like the Fab and I's two worlds coming together. Anyway, is that is that an interesting thing with co-producing is meshing these two different maybe philosophies and can it do you feel like that helped you expand as a musician as you were going through the process of making this? I mean, uh, any project I'm ever a part of, if I'm leading it, if I'm co-producing it, if I'm being produced or if I'm working on someone else's record with them, um, it's Oh, it's like relationships in general. It's yeah. like you learn so much and everything is always a little bit different or really, really different. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing that Fab and I learned was, or maybe we knew, but we <laughs> just relearned. Um, words mean different things to different people. <laughs> and I think it took us about six months to be like, Oh, so when you say this, you mean this sound. And when I say it, I mean that sound. And we had just, we'd had about six months of, why does this sound like this? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That kind of sounds like the first year of marriage. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, Okay. So the first single you already mentioned, the song is, uh, was Green Gray. You colors been creeping in, flirting in shadow, painting light on an old tin. Every line you draw, I bend. Every glance you give, I linger. Gray shades waiting on your. And I really like this song for a variety of reasons. One, it's funky. I always love some funk. Um, and then two, just great harmonies that I really decided to go back and listen to that song like two or three times in a row just because these harmonies kind of come 
and weave and they're complex. And I, I, I really like that kind of thing. And I like the idea of the thought process that went behind it to be able to make that happen on the record. So um, what can you tell us just kind of, I guess the third thing I would say is I feel like that song has such strong dynamics. Like there's an ebb and flow throughout it and a softness. And then it kind of, that funk comes back. And I'm a huge fan of dynamics, especially like in a live music setting. And so I'm just wondering what you can tell us about the making of this and especially kind of those harmonies. The vocal harmonies. Yeah. Um, I mean, the vocal stuff, I, it's just my love. I, I love having singers doubling and, you know, lot, lots of stacks behind my voice. Do you board. hear that? as you're writing the song originally um sometimes sometimes yeah. within the process of demoing it i just try a million different things and see what you know i'll be like working on it in the daw and then go make breakfast or something and <laughs> while i'm doing that i hear something else and so i go track that and then realize and then while i'm tracking i'm like oh no but i'll do this and i get really carried away and then i walk away and i i'm like no nah, that didn't actually work and what i'm hearing in my head is actually yeah just like a, just a lot of that going back and forth experimenting um i'm not sure really what else to say i i i I'm, is there a spot in particular that you're you're thinking of within the song yeah. So I wish that I could like I should have made a timestamp on it because there is this section and I it, I know that it's somewhat towards the middle. It's probably yeah. <laughs> around 90 seconds in. But it's just like this your voice just singing the song and then I just felt like these harmonies kind of came up and out of nowhere. And I don't know what it was exactly, but it just kind of caught me and I was like I need to go back and listen to that because it's hard to you have to listen to a song multiple times to really try and get your ear to listen to like oh what were the drums doing I didn't even really listen to the drums the last time I listened and so sure. like that's how I like to go through and listen to albums um and I, yeah I wish I should have time stamped it for you and if you're listening I did not know that Michelle was sitting at a piano or a oh. keyboard or wherever she is right now and this is just phenomenal the same thing happened when I I got to interview who someone who had just recently discovered you might be friends with Elizabeth Ziman she's one of my best friends she is incredible and just so talented and i'm just so lucky to have been able to talk to both of you now and you guys obviously probably hang out because you're in similar parts of town where she's one of my only friends that's walkable distance <laughs> you can walk anywhere but but we're we're within like a 30 minute walk to each other which in brooklyn is is uh especially i mean i'm in sunset park brooklyn so it's it's low it's yeah <laughs> Um, how did your um how did your duet with Taylor Ashton in the song Trigger come to be? Without a foe inside. You're a trigger just waiting for I'm I'm always wondering about that. Like, did you guys know each other beforehand? Yeah, okay. Taylor is Canadian. 
Where are you in Canada? I do, does it sound like it? Because I'm from northern Wisconsin. Okay, you have a little bit of the the Canadian. You get oh. some wine in me, and that will that'll <laughs> okay. come out. <laughs> um, no, so Taylor's Canadian, but uh, he's from BC. But he's moved. He moved all over Canada, and I'm Canadian and uh, grew up in Toronto. But um, I met him just before he moved to Brooklyn. He played a show that. I will never, it's emblazoned in my head. He played this song called Fortnite, which is off of his now most recent record called The Romantic. And um, he played banjo and sang with a drummer friend of ours. And I was just mesmerized. The wordplay that he employs, his voice is so, um, it's like, present and rich but also kind of wiry and um ragged sometimes in the mm-hmm. most pleasing way and uh and i never heard him before then and i, I from then on i was a, a ardent fan and and um we ended up meeting up becoming friends i don't know i, I met him like a week later for coffee and then he moved to new york um and so when I when I moved to New York, we we ended up gradually. It was like, oh yeah, there's my Canadian friend Taylor, and here's me, and here's my friends, and we both live in Brooklyn. And then gradually, all of our friend circles started to become enmeshed again. And when I started working on this song, and I, I yeah, I was also looking for opportunities to invite other people to be on this record and be featured. And and uh, Trigger was a perfect um setting for that because it was originally written you know i was thinking of certain people when i wrote it but i also thought of how it when i look at it it's also a song to myself and um i liked the idea that having another person made it it's like two people calling each other out but for the same things yeah in in the same way that i'm calling someone else out it's actually my own shit that i need to okay and um so yeah he was just perfect for that and um yeah so was there ever any um thought of behind like oh god i just absolutely love his voice but what if we go in and sing together and we don't like it or do you just like say no we're both phenomenal singers we'll make this shit work (laughs) oh i mean i always have that there's always that fear of hiring somebody that you really respect and, and certainly, especially when they're your friend, uh, that you're like, you're definitely going to talk to them afterwards. It's like, you know, sometimes you hire someone and, and you really respect them and then they, they work on your thing and, and you're like, thank you so much. Goodbye. And then you don't use the thing and then you never talk to that person again. And it's, it, it's weird, but it's fine. But when they're your friend, you really don't want that to happen. Um, with Taylor, no, I didn't worry about that because we had we had worked on the song together in another iteration. I actually tried to record that song um, a few years ago as a single. Okay. And I I just was a terrible project manager, and um, it I, I I lost a lot of money in in a single day trying to make this song happen, and it just didn't. But it wasn't Taylor's fault. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Long story long, I knew Taylor was going to kill it. And also, I love his banjo playing. It's very unique. Um, 
which is an oxymoron, very unique. It's just unique. Uh, he, yeah. he plays it in a way that I, no one else I know does. It's, it's, it's just so him and has such a distinct character. So I, we ended up only using his, his banjo towards the end. You really only start to hear it in that outro. Mm-hmm. Again. Well, quite the guest list on this album. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering what, what I think of when I like start reading through this and it's like, oh, they're on this track is I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, Michelle in, let's go 10 years back. Let's go 2012, Michelle Willis. And you, someone comes up to you and says, in 10 years, you're going to have David Crosby, Michael McDonald play on an album of your songs. What does Michelle (laughs) Willis in 2012 say to that person? (laughs) Michelle Willis in 2012 was in a band called Three Meter Day with two incredible musicians from Toronto, Don Rook and Hugh Marsh. And I feel like uh, I, 2012 Michelle Willis would like freak out like a little kid. <laughs> And like maybe dance around and cry a little and then be like, no, 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 really? <laughs> At the same time, I think that they're like the older that I get every year that I grew and was continuing to work on music and continuing to work with people that um, I found to be totally magical. And I think there's always been this little part of me that was like, I can do that. I can do that. And oh, I I'd can, like to hear that. I can like those people that are really good. I, I know I can do that. And I don't say that to say that I'm great or anything. I just, it, there was just this part of my psyche that I, I, the more that I expand and and grow and meet people and play with people, the more that voice is just kind of there. And it's just like, you can do this. Like the, you belong thing rather than just like the, the doubt. Like, cause I think a lot of people would be like maybe in that studio and just like, I don't fucking belong here. I definitely have that all the time. (laughs) uh, There's a term uh, imposter syndrome. Okay. Yeah, exactly. 100%. And, and I, I felt that even, you know, I've been playing with Cros now for, uh, David Crosby for, since I moved to 2016. And I 100% feel imposter syndrome and have in his band and on multiple tours now. But it's just, it's not like it goes away completely or that if you feel a, a voice in yourself that says, I can do this, that if you feel that, that, that thing doesn't ex- that the imposter syndrome goes away. They yeah. just exist simultaneously. Well, I think that that's like fair. I think like if you are sitting there and feeling that imposter syndrome and then that next thought that pops into your head is like, why, why not me? If it's not mm-hmm. me standing here right now, who would it be? So, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a healthy place to be to both have kind of that doubt, but also like that thing of like, well, I'm here, I'm here. So there must yeah. be something going on. 
Yeah. Or, or it's like, I'm here. So just do it. You know, yeah. like <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, it's taken me so long. And I'm, again, it's not like I'm like, I've arrived everything. <laughs> um, but I, at some point, because I was having, because <laughs> actually Cross is a perfect example because he just kept making me improvise and it is terrifying for me to improvise. I went to jazz school. I studied piano. You know, I like I've been trained in improvisation and I find it one of the most beautiful and holistic human, deeply spiritual things. And I think that everyone should learn how to improvise because it is a life uh, skill. Yeah. However, it terrifies me and I just get all frozen and 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 cross. I used to have like one solo in Deja Vu. And by the end of the last tour we did before COVID hit, I had like four solos. And one of them was like a keyboard battle with his son, James, who's our music director. And he'd be soloing on an organ. And I'd be like, <laughs> it was like that. Actually, if you told me that, I would be more shocked. Okay. That's an interesting thing. Like getting into more of the detail of it. Yeah, you'll be having keyboard battle solos on stage in front of 2,000 people. <laughs> Surprises me. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. Okay, I really like that kind of stuff. Like that that's that's why we're here. Um, I want to dive a little bit more. So I'm I'm going to just say when in 20 the summer of 2020 i was like mm-hmm. in northern wisconsin mm-hmm. everything was locked down my dad's older my grandma's obviously older than that i was my wife and i were there to like help them through everything like shop for them just try and keep them safe so i was fortunate enough to be up there to be able to do that but at the same time i had a lot of time on my hands cuz there ain't shit to do in northern wisconsin mm-hmm. and so i started reading mm-hmm. and then i just dove into david crosby and wrote, 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 wrote ugh, read like three of his biographies. And I was just like amazed wow. by this man. For some reason, I don't know what it was. I just got fixated for like a month. And so when I realized that you guys had this connection, I was like scourging the internet this morning or this afternoon, right before we dropped on looking for something, these connections and stuff. And I found the most ridiculous quote. And I'm so curious if you've heard this quote. And I, I, I can't wait to see your reaction, but I found this video on Facebook and, and Kraz says, Michelle Willis is so startlingly talented. I don't even know where to start. And then he goes on to say, she's probably one of the best singers I've ever heard in my life. And then he goes on to put you in the same category as uh, Joni, as Aretha and, um, and Reba. And I was just like, you got, like, how does, what does Michelle Willis think of that quote coming from David Crosby right now? He is, um, (laughs) that's fine. Let me give you a little bit from, because that's a big thing to wrap your head around coming from someone like that. What is something that with your time with him and his experience and his all the people that he's performed with, everything that he's been through in his life. What's something that you've learned about music? And then just like, I think that a lot of people think creativity is a younger person's thing. 
And I think if anybody has proven that wrong in the last five years, it's David Crosby. So what kind of inspiration does that give you as you kind of pursue into your career further? Crosby is living proof that no matter how tired or in pain or old or whatever you want to say that you are, uh, it's all about spirit and seizing the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, That man works. Uh, Yeah, I mean, who else do you know? I don't know anyone else who has made six records in six years. No, at the quality. At 80 years old. Yeah. (laughs) He puts all of us to shame. He's always ready to go. He's always ready to go. And his whole life as a musician and songwriter has been, to my knowledge, and I I haven't read his biographies and I don't want to. (laughs) I just, I'm just going to find out. I mean, I find out so many things. It's okay, Michelle. There's, there's, there's an unwritten one yet. And you're a part of those chapters, which is just (laughs) gotta be crazy to think about, but that's awesome. Yeah. There's a, the biography world just reveals lots of other sides of ourselves. Um, what am I saying? I think that Cross, um, has his, childlike like truly childlike like a puppy spirit about music and he believes in it so hard i don't i don't believe in it nearly as much as he does Hmm. most days and i really believe in music but he puts his life on it and i mean it, it that alone has been so important to me um, over the last number of years when we're writing it's always like you have an idea now let's do it now what do you yeah. what do you, of course like write it down <laughs> that's how why don't we try this hey did you think of this hey like it's just it's it's also it's that same moment with ohio it's like and who knows what the story really was like, you know, exactly to tell that story and whatever. But my, um, my awareness of it is Neil's writing or someone, I either David gives him the magazine, someone gave Neil the magazine showing him what had happened. And Neil starts writing this song and however many minutes or hours later, Cros calls the studio and is like, book the time we gotta go yeah you know it's that it's that urgency and it's it's that it is life or death it's like get this down now put it out tomorrow like i am so slow i'm such a slow person in general in so many ways and um and but that kind of urgency is very special and uh there's so many things that i've learned about him i mean he's such a magnanimous huge character on stage it's like there's no it's undeniable why he is who he is when you see him on stage he just like roars yeah lives there he's like he like comes alive in the light on stage 
He's incredible. Oh, I really love that. Thank you for just letting us go there with you. Cause I, I think that, you know, we get to like, just witness these things and there, you know, you go to concerts and you can sense when you're, when the, when the band's connected and the audience is like involved with it and like everybody is just vibing and stuff like that. But I, there's always stuff going on within the band mm. that we don't get to see and witness and feel as much as you guys do. And so that's something that I'm really like, I'm, I'm so hopeful. I know that if, if you don't follow David Crosby and you're on Twitter, follow him because he's just an amazing, amazing Twitter follow. But Somebody recently, sorry to cut you go, off. Go, go, go. Recently shared a photo, a, a drawing, like a digital drawing with him of like this alien giving birth and like another kind of weird man <laughs> around, like holding the the baby in the belly. And it was, it, it was, it looked like a, like an anime or something like this. And, and uh, somebody said, my son drew this um painting you know will you consider using it as your album cover and cross just wrote nope <laughs> that's what he's so best he's so succinct and he's so direct and i absolutely love it and that's why i'm just like what does he like like do you guys get done playing a song in front of like a red rocks audience and he just is like hand over the mic like guys that fucking was terrible pick it up yeah. <laughs> like, like that's what i imagine <laughs> <laughs> that's okay we'll leave that out in the ether i want to get back to um to this amazing album michelle willis thank you so much for your time just one voice everybody april 8th yeah. i want to talk about the song janet because this kind of links us with cross Because there's something else that I saw him say that he kind of fought you over having that he wanted this song. And that's, I saw, I don't know, he said something like that as part of this quote that I found. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. So talk to me about Janet. Where did this song come from? And then how did it end up on your album? Uh, we never fought over this song. Well, you know, maybe verbal, maybe verbal punches. No, not at all. <laughs> He's never been like, um, what's the word, like territorial about yeah. um, if, you know, one of us wrote a song and wanted to re-record it. Okay. He'll always say he likes his version better, of course. But Well, yeah. <laughs> blame for that. Um, but that uh, song I wrote years ago before I even moved here, but, you know, you write it and you don't record it. So then you have years of just like, yeah, maybe I'll do it this way. Um, so I really kind of had finished it and, and had demoed a version of it um, around the time we were making the Here If You Listen record. And um, we were close to the end of, of writing at that point. It was myself, Becca Stevens, Mike League, and Kroz. And um, 
two songs came out of uh, out of the end of that of that session and i would say both of them probably wouldn't have been added if it weren't for becca um speaking up on my behalf one at one point she was like you can you play them that song that you played for me the other day and i had played her this demo that i had made of janet and um yeah that was that i i played them the demo and and they all really loved it so we we worked it out as a quartet and i i really liked it in that setting too in the quartet setting i think that's like it's a good version of it yeah um if i've got you in front of a microphone and a keyboard can i get a taste sure 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 yeah yeah Thank you so much. So this brings me into, this gets me so excited because I, are you touring behind this album? Do you get tour dates lined up yet? We, not much. We, we've got a, like a promo tour in Europe happening right after the record comes out. And then it'll all end. Um, what we have right now is going to end uh, in Miami um, at the Ground Up Music Festival, which is Ground Up Music is the label that I'm on and they host a festival every year in Miami. Oh, lovely. So we'll be there. Um, but there's definitely lots of plans um, to do West Coast, U.S., and go back to Europe, and, and then hopefully East Coast, U.S., and Canada in the fall. Oh, I cannot wait. I will keep my eyes open for that. I hope everyone else does, too. I have one more question for you, and then I'm going to let you get on with your merry way. Um, and I just want to say before I get to this question, is can we get you and your friend Elizabeth on and just to write an album together like you guys are just amazing how i feel like that would just be like one of the most incredible compilations of music i've listened to recently oh my god it's like a dream and also i think we would both like if elizabeth were here we would just sort of look at each other and laugh (laughs) (laughs) i really wonder i i i have i've just spent so many hours of my life listening to Elizabeth's music. And, and I only knew her music once I met her. Um, she was opening for a guy that I was playing with on the road uh, about seven years ago. This guy named Royal Wood. He's a great musician, songwriter from Canada. And um, Elizabeth was opening for him. And that's where we met. And, you know, a month later, I moved to New York. Okay. Neighbors. So I then just dove into her music and I'm just like... I'm a forever fan and she's also one of my closest friends now. And she's got such a beautiful compassion for what it is to be human. And yeah. she sees the world in own, like it, just in her way. It's uh, I love her songwriting and I love her playing and her harmony sense. And um, 
So she seems like one of those open vessels. Like you just give her an instrument and it just pours out of her and it's, it's Mm -hmm. mindless. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. She, she writes all the time. She's always, she's always just like ready to, she's like Kroz actually in that same way. Yeah. This is really inspiring. Okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm hungry. Yeah. So, <laughs> back in three hours yeah. after I cook all this stuff from scratch. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start chopping veggies. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Um, okay, so we kind of touched on this a little bit before, but I wanted to just kind of circle back to the idea because every project, no matter what it is, writing an album, if you've got a project at work, if you go on vacation, call that a project, whatever it is, everything's unique. And I'm always wondering if they're were standout experiences or challenges that you have now been able to reflect on because the album is written and in the can. And I'm just wondering if there's anything like that, that you've reflected upon since then that you'd be willing to share. Challenges that I had in making the record. Yeah. Just like anything that came up, like, wow, for some reason, this song just, we knew it was there. We just, it, we didn't know what it was missing. And then all of a sudden, like, someone came in and played a trombone on it and that was it. And we just couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out. Um, there are a million things like that. Yeah. In this record, just because there was two albums that I made. Um, one was the live version of this and one was the studio version. And there were a million <laughs> things to learn and, and unlearn and all those things. But I would say the biggest growth I have had in making this record was, um, and it's kind of corny because it's also kind of related to the title of the record, but that, you know, every question that I have is valid and that every question that I have, anyone who I'm in the room with that I think is maybe smarter than me, um, they've also had that question at some point in their yeah. life. Um, and they also at some point didn't know what they were doing. Now they know all these things, but at some point they didn't. And um, the only way that you get further ahead is just by asking a question. And if someone makes you feel stupid, that's on them. They're a yeah. jerk, but you don't have to make yourself feel stupid. You don't have to feel stupid for not knowing something. And, um, and that's kind of a, uh, a general, or I guess like, I just had to continually, um, say, I don't like this. Can we try this? Hmm. Mm, why don't we try this? And, and it sounds so simple and obvious and kind of stupid, I guess, for me to say, but when you're constantly surrounded by people, um, when you're spending a fortune, when you're, um, constantly having to make decisions that are kind of of no consequence it's like we put the eq of three (laughs) there and then will they hear the snare tone if i don't you know it's like no one's gonna know this no one cares it matters so much to me in that moment whether or not we do the thing that i think we should and um it's my project it's my whole heart. It's this thing that I've been carrying around for years. It's, um, 
when someone says, what do you do? That's what I do. And that's, if, if I do anything, it's so that I can share that. Yeah. Um, and so the whole, the whole doubt, the, the imposter syndrome, all that stuff, all the, I probably sound stupid or, or, um, I'm, I'm changing my mind too much or, or I didn't hear this correctly. Like all these kinds of things that you think about yourself. Doubt. It's like not helpful. It's just not helpful. Yeah. And, um, and there are so many people in my life. Well, there are a few people in my life who have really encouraged me always that I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing, at least with my own music. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm, I'm the person who, who, who carried and brought it here and said, let's do this. So I, more than anyone, have the right to at least just speak my thoughts about it. And that's been a challenge for me in my life. And in this process, it really pushed me to go further with just speaking my mind and, um, and not have it be such a big thing that it's just saying what you think. Yeah. And it's not an attack to be like, we need to do that again. And I need you to change that baseline. Yeah. It's not an attack. It's just that didn't fit in my head and it didn't ring through my ear very nicely. Yeah. I think that's the hard part about trying to give like constructive criticism or I've got this particular vision. You just, you know, you're obviously a very nice person. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you also want to get what you want yeah. out of the, out of the song. Yeah, exactly. It's not about feelings necessarily. I think something that I read a long time ago that musicians um, tend to think about more than people who aren't musicians, but listen to music is it's not about the people playing on it necessarily. It's just all about the song. You just got to do what's best for the song. Yeah. Although I, people have different opinions about what's best for the song. <laughs> well, that's true. But then that becomes like the conversation of like, no, this is my album. These are my songs. Like no. I, you, maybe you are right. And maybe in the end you'll prove to be right, but yeah. it's mine. And this is what I want to do. And I, I commend you for like getting to that level of having no, being open enough to say that, because I don't think that that's easy. And what I can tell is that you kicked ass. These songs all rock. And I'm, so thankful for your time and just to share some of your experiences and, and knowledge with me and the listeners. And um, April 8th, everybody mark your calendar, buy it. The effort's paid off. It's beautiful mm -hmm. music. I'm so excited to that. I've gotten to listen to it. I'm really excited for the release to see what that brings to you and nothing but love and success. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. All right. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much to Michelle for coming on to the show, sharing her spirit and her music with us. That album is Just One Voice. It's coming out April 8th, so be sure to check it out. And I'd also just like to say a quick thank you to David Crosby for that phenomenal intro. Mr. Crosby, if you are ever interested in coming on and chatting about your music, I would absolutely love it. For the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Have a great day. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 